chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross would have been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you who were called to freedom, brothers, or excuse me, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For if the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident: sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Thank you, Cody. Boy, that uh, chapter's got a lot in it. We're no longer doing six weeks on Galatians. We're going to do another six weeks just on this chapter. Just kidding. Um, Really, really just kidding. Um, Pray with me and for me if you would. Father, your word is, it's living. It can separate bone and marrow and it can separate truth from a lie. Help us, help me, to say only what your word says. And may your word penetrate deeply and change us to more and more be conformed to the image of your Son. 
We ask this for the glory of your great name. Amen. Am I on? It doesn't sound like I'm on. Okay. So, Galatians. You can say it with me. It's Paul's first letter ever written. It's the first letter written of the New Testament. It was written around the late 40s, early 50s. It's written to address a whole lot of errors going on in the church. As much of the New Testament is. A whole lot of errors going on in the church. But this chapter should strike us as Americans all the more exciting, right? What do Americans love more than football and apple pie and arguing about politics? Freedom. The opening verse, for freedom Christ has set us free. Ah, freedom. That just just grabs the American heart. It just warms us. But how do you define freedom? Is it the ability to travel without having to show your papers? Is it the ability to earn however much money you want? Or how little? I'm happy just living in a one-bedroom, whatever. I don't need all that. Is it free speech? Is it politics? Years ago, it used to be land ownership. How did you become free? Did you become free because of something soldiers or Marines or or Navy um, did? Did you become free because the government or a constitutional decree was made? If someone's not an American, can they be free? Is it possible for someone who is not an American, to be more free than you, or more free than your neighbor? How do you define freedom? Is the Christian, who is a hostage in Gaza, but who Christ has set free, more free than your neighbor who is an atheist? Is the Christian who is in a North Korean prison more free than your son or your daughter who is an atheist, who lives in America, the land of the free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. You did not obtain that freedom, did you? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You didn't obtain your own freedom. Christ has set you free. This is not something you did. It's not something some government decree was made over you. Christ set you free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. In order to be free, you must stand firm. In order to be free, you must stand firm firm. Ephesians 6.13, talking about the armor of God, says, having done all you can to stand, stand. Once you've prepared to stand, then stand firm. Have you ever seen a movie or a TV show about maybe the Civil War where the slaves were set free? Or maybe the liberation of the concentration camps of Nazi Germany? Once those people are 
released, what are they told? You're free. Go enjoy your freedom. Go live your life. Be free. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Now stand firm. He doesn't say, go enjoy your freedom. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But his immediate thing is, stand firm in that freedom. Isn't that interesting? The idea is not that freedom may be taken from you, but that if you don't stand firm, you may willingly give it up. You may willingly choose to place yourselves under submission again. So stand firm, the apostle says. Well, who in their right mind chooses to submit to slavery once they're free? Yet again, we see Paul compare the law to slavery. Look at verse 4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Severed. Fallen from grace. Again, we see the strong language the apostle uses. If you choose to be justified, if you choose to be made righteous by obeying the law, all of it or part of it, and that's what your hope is in, then you're severed from Christ. Severed from Christ. Those whose hope is in the law for justification and righteousness are severed from Christ. Contrast that with verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. They're not earning righteousness through the law. They're not earning justification through the law. Their faith is eagerly waiting hope through the Spirit. They eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. All through the letters of St. Paul, he's been fighting the law, specifically circumcision and the dietary laws. He's been trying to make a distinct contrast between that. But in verse 6, all of a sudden there's a whole other take. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Well, now, wait just a minute. We've been hearing all along, if you get circumcised, you've got to follow all the law. Don't do it, don't do it. Ah, circumcision, non-circumcision, it ah, doesn't really matter. Well, I'd say I'm confused, but I spent the week thinking about this, so I'm, I'm not confused. I get it. Paul is saying... Whatever you do with your outward body isn't going to gain any justification. It isn't going to make you righteous before God. It's faith working through love. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ with a love for God. With a love for God's people. That's the goal. If you think you've lived up to the law and that makes you righteous... You've missed the point. Basically, in verse 6, he's saying, do what you want with your body. Get circumcised, don't get circumcised, I don't really care. You, you want to eat bacon, eat bacon. You want to eat shrimp, eat shrimp, I don't care. You don't want to eat bacon, don't eat bacon. Wait, did I actually say that? I can't believe I said that. 
Uh, but don't think for a minute, by doing or not doing that, you gain anything before God. It's faith in Christ Jesus and the love for God that matters. Verse 7 says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And we know these Galatians were running well. We know these Christians were doing well. Chapter 3 tells us it was the Spirit of God that brought them to faith. Chapter 3 tells us because the Spirit of God was working miracles among them and through them. And they decided to turn towards the law again. Paul gets upset with that. You begun in the Spirit and God was working in your midst. But if you continue, it says someone's persuading you otherwise now. And that's not from him who called you. Him who called you, called you by the Spirit, called you through faith, didn't call you through works of the law. You were running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? Okay, wait a, wait a minute. This is confusing, kind of like the circumcision thing. Obeying the truth. O- obey is kind of like following rules, following the, the law. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now I have to obey a law? I don't, I, I, this, the, remember, Christ has set us free. What does obeying have to do? Freedom has something to do with obeying? Yeah, it, it really does. It really does. What is freedom? We all know what freedom is. Well, freedom means no restrictions. No guidelines, no limits. Freedom means without boundaries, right? Well, let's explore that a little bit. Freedom is much more complicated than you think. Freedom is much more complicated than you think. Does freedom really mean without boundaries? At one time, Many years ago, when I was in high school, I would do whatever I did on a Saturday. We'd sit down, my family would sit down for a normal Saturday dinner. Could have been pot roast, could have been pizza, it doesn't really matter. But we had a solid meal. I was well fed. Me and a few buddies, almost every Saturday night, we'd go to, you guys don't even know what this is, but we'd go to a local pool and we'd go swimming till 9 o'clock or we'd go to the movies and at 9.30, 10 o'clock, we'd hit cops, custard. Now, I had had a dinner. And at cops at 9.30 at night, I ordered a double cheeseburger, onion rings, a chocolate malt, and a hot fudge sundae. After I had had supper, I can assure you, I'm going to stand behind here. I can assure you, I'm not free to do that anymore. The things I used to be able to do, the running, the walking, even playing with my grandkids. Well, I may be free to do it today, but I'm free to take a lot of Tylenol tomorrow. I'm not as free as I thought I was. And as we get older, we're not as free to do the things. So freedom does mean there's some complications to it. We have a number of great people up here that lead us in worship. They're free. They're free. They can do what they want, right? what they have done is they have taken some of their freedom and set it aside. They have set it aside to learn new songs, new hymns, 
and to practice. Aren't we grateful that they do that? Because they do that, because they willingly choose to set aside some of their freedom, we can worship in a, with a greater joy. We can worship with more freedom. And God is more glorified because of that. My wife has a fish tank in our basement. I have, she's gone for the weekend. I have to feed them. Yeah, I have to feed them. Um, are the fish free? The fish don't have a mortgage. They don't have a job. They don't have a punch the clock. They don't even have to forage for food. I'm feeding them. They're free, right? No, they're not. They are restricted. They are in a glass enclosure. There is a boundary around them. Not only that, they're in water. Well, that's not fair. They should be free. So I think when I go home today, before my wife gets home, I think I'm going to stick my hand in that tank, pull out a fish, and go, poor little fish, you shouldn't be restricted. Be free and toss it on the grass. Did I give that fish more freedom or less freedom? Less freedom. I stole its breath from it. Freedom is complicated. Most of you have seen my motorcycle. I have a Harley Davidson. It's a touring bike. I'm free to ride that. I'm free to ride that on the roads. If I take it on a dirt trail, after about 10 yards, I'm free to walk home because it will damage the bike. So freedom is complicated. There's some boundaries. There's some restrictions. God has placed limits not to restrict your freedom, but to enhance your freedom. The, the, the limit of a glass water fish tank does not restrict the fish. It enhances its ability to live versus being on the grass. Placing safeguards around us, God ensures that we don't suffocate like the fish on the lawn. Think of some of the most, hopefully you don't know anybody like this, think of the most miserable people you know. There's a few I can think of. And almost every one of them to a man or to a woman is selfish and self-serving. And they get their way all the time. And if they don't, they pout and whine until they do. So they're free, they're free because they get exactly what they want all the time. It doesn't make them happy. They're still bitter. They're still miserable. They've kicked off all the restraints on their life. But they're not any better off for it. God has created us to live for others and to live for him. All of the obeying that God asks of us is with that goal in mind. It's to take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on him and put our eyes on people made in his image. They are, you know, every single person out there, believer, unbeliever, good neighbor, lousy neighbor, great boss, mean boss, Every single one is made in the image of God. 
Do you see them that way? Look at verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. In a nutshell, Paul is saying, don't use your freedom for you. Use your freedom to serve. This entire letter, this entire book, the apostle, the great Saint Paul, has been hammering, don't try and obey the law. It's not going to justify you before God. And then here in verse 14, he says, the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word. The whole of the law is fulfilled in one phrase. Shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, which is it, Paul? Do I follow the law or don't I? I'm, you're making a big point, follow the law. I can go back a couple chapters. You're saying don't follow the law. Well, what has Paul really been telling us about the law? He's been telling us by following the law, it will not produce righteousness in you. By following the law, you cannot be justified before God. But the law also reveals the character of God. So if you look at the law as a means of being right, and a means of being justified, you fail. But if you look at the law to see how God wants you to treat others, and your goal is not to be a better, more important, holier person than anybody else, but your goal is to love others and to care for your neighbor, then you fulfilled the law. And you didn't have to have a checklist. I fulfilled this part of the law, I fulfilled this part. All you did is love people, and then if you look, you go, hey, I, I did all these. Well, wait, I didn't do those. All I did is love my neighbor. If I love my neighbor, you can cross off most of the Ten Commandments. Chances are, if you love your neighbor, you didn't kill him, right? I mean, that's one of the Ten Commandments. I, I'm, I'm assuming those two are opposed to each other. If you love your neighbor, you're not coveting from them, you're not stealing from them, you're not lying to them. So you can sit there with a checklist and go, I've been really good because I haven't done this, I haven't done this. Or you can just love them as God loves them and see the image of Christ in them and then go, oh, I didn't even know I was obeying all of this stuff. Jesus set you free not so you could be selfish. Jesus set you free so you could follow his example, which is to set the freedom aside and love others. Most of you here have children. Some even have grandchildren. What a pain. Sacrifice for your kids. Oh, we can't go to that really nice restaurant they just opened because Johnny needs a new pair of shoes. Ugh. Oh, I can't go uh, hang around after work with the guys and go golfing because I got to take Mabel to her concert. Oh, and then you're at the concert and Mabel's singing with a bunch of the other sixth graders. It wasn't drudgery. It wasn't sacrifice is a good thing. When you see, who, who as a parent does that? Goes, well, I got to sacrifice. Your, your joy when you see that. 
You're flooded with joy. It's a sacrifice, and that's how we should view the sacrifice. And if we're doing that, then we're not biting. We're not devouring one another. But we're serving and we're loving. And that's easy to do, right? We never get sidetracked. We never become selfish once we've become Christians, right? Well, the rest of the chapter kind of gives us a response to that attitude. Pardon me. Verse 16 says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is more important than your personal freedom. Walking in the Spirit is more important than your personal freedom. If we walk according to the Spirit, then we will not live lives fulfilling the desires of our flesh. If you've been born again, then pleasing God should be your number one priority. And living in the flesh, living for yourselves, living to please your sinful self goes against the Spirit. But that's not easy. So we look at verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And that's the real crux of what St. Paul, the great apostle, has been saying here. What are you led by? What drives you? What rules over you? And and I don't mean like a list of rules. I mean, what, what rules over you? Is it the law so that you can claim that you're good and righteous because you've obeyed it? Or is what rules over you, what controls you, is the spirit of the living God? If you are led by the spirit of God, then you're not under the law. The Spirit will never lead you to do something that is against the law of God. But neither will the Spirit lead you in such a way that you will feel feel righteous or justified by the law. Verses 22 and 23 show us what the Spirit of God will lead us to, what the Spirit of God will produce in us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Newsflash. You can't do those things unless you are enabled by the Holy Spirit. That list is known as the fruit of the Spirit. It is not the fruit of the law keeper. It is not the fruit of the one who's been justified by obeying the law. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And you can't have the fruit of the Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Dear friends, there is a war going on inside of us. And Paul alludes to it twice, or more than that, but twice specifically in Galatians. In chapter 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And that crucifixion, for me, needs to happen daily. I don't know if it does for you. It's a very similar statement in chapter 3, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's not all that different from Ephesians, also written by Paul, chapter 4, verse 22. Put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt 
through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. If we do that, if we crucify ourselves and live to Christ, if we put off the old self and put on the new self, which was created in Christ, then we won't be biting and devouring each other, will we? We won't do, as verse 26 says, we won't become conceited. We won't be provoking one another. We won't be envying one another. But I'm not there yet. My guess is at least a handful of you aren't there yet either. Can you honestly say that your old self never rears its ugly head? Can you honestly say that you're always walking in the Spirit? I can't. That's why we're given these commands, these reminders, verses 16 and verse 25. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Contrast walking in the Spirit with walking in the flesh. Thinking only of yourselves and being more concerned with your own freedom than the people that are made in the image of God. In order to be free, you must stand firm. Freedom is more complicated than just no rules and no boundaries. And walking in the Spirit is more important than your personal freedom. Freedom is a wonderful thing, and Christ has set his people free. Free from sin, but also free from selfishness. Free to care for others. Free to follow Jesus. It was read as a call to worship this morning. Free as Jesus took the example from Philippians 2. Free to look to the interests of others. Free to have this mind among yourselves, which is Christ Jesus. Free to empty yourself. Free to take on the form of a servant. Free to humble yourself, as Jesus did, becoming obedient to the point of death. Dear friends, stand firm in your freedom and don't get taken away by the weakness of your old life. Remember, freedom is more complicated than just no rules and no boundaries. Care more about walking in the Spirit than your own personal freedom. Let's pray. Father, as Americans, freedom means one thing. But as a child of the living God, freedom means something completely different. Help us to not submit, to not give in to our old ways, our old habits, but help us, enable us to walk in the Spirit. And walking means walking. It doesn't mean being stagnant. As your Spirit moves, may we move. Help us, Father. Enable us to glorify you in all that we do. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.